This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast. UNC falls to Purdue 93-84 at the Mohegan Sun in the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off. I'm your host, Ross Martin, joined by Dewey Burke. We'll be right back with the post-game podcast. Back in to Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast. As I said, UNC gets their first loss of the season, falling to Purdue, number six Purdue, 93-84. A pretty tough fought, exciting, high, uh, high offensive game. I'm joined by Dewey Burke. It's our first basketball postgame show of the year. Dewey, you watched the game. We both watched the game. Your initial thoughts on the first true test of the Tar Heels. They come a little short, uh, losing to Purdue, 93-84. Yeah, look, exciting basketball game, uh, big time basketball game, you know, first power five game and uh, a lot of talent on the floor, a lot of depth on both sides. Obviously, we didn't have leaky, but we were pretty deep. They're deep. You know, my overall thoughts, I, I thought we couldn't get a stop when we needed it. Obviously, if we give up in the 90s defensively, you're not happy with uh, your overall effort on that side of the ball. They shot the ball, I think, at 55, 56 percent and really down the stretch, got every shot they wanted. And, and that was the issue. Um, and you could argue most of the game, we made a little run there in the second half to, to get it close, but I think defensively is where the focus is going to be that we just couldn't get a stop. They got the ball in, inside to Williams and, and the big fella whenever they wanted. And they got Stepanovich going, he got a ton of good looks. And then Ivy, even just in transition athletically was difficult for us to pick up and match up with. Uh, so they really imposed their will on the offensive end. You know, on our side, offensively, we did some good things. Uh, guys got going. Uh, Dawson, obviously. Caleb had some good moments. Um, but I think, you know, they, they imposed their will. They got every shot they wanted. And I think, uh, you know, I think probably played a little bit harder than we did. Yeah, it's certainly in, in stretches. Obviously, we came back, took the lead. And then they boom, 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 hit us right with a punch in the mouth. It's like we relaxed for a possession or two once we had got it all the way back to tied or had the lead. And you just can't do that in a big-time game. I mean, everybody's good, and everybody's good on every possession. And so they'll learn from that, hopefully, and Hubert can coach up on that. But um, it felt like it was a winnable game, except for it never felt like we could get the stop that we needed. And it, it really didn't feel like we were ever going to stop them enough to win the game. Yeah, I think the lead was at the 9-15 mark or so when Garcia's three pushed it to 65-64. And then there was that 10-0 run by Purdue with the back-to-back dunks by Jaden Ivey. Um, yeah, I thought they had they had three really good offensive players. You had Jaden Ivey, um, who finished with 22 points. Stefanovic had 23. And then I didn't think UNC had an answer for Trayvon Williams down low. Baycott finished with only two points. He was in foul trouble the whole game. He was one for six from the field. And from an interior defensive point, I tweeted out, like, they couldn't stop Trayvon Williams late. And then Garcia fouls out. 
they caught never got established and they didn't have any inside game it felt it was it was rj and caleb in the second half it was garcia in the first half it was good to see them have some success they didn't get like you said they didn't have like the the next player come up and hit a, a really big shot when they need it and like you said they didn't get um any big defensive stops and after that one big run unc had to get back in it that's kind of all they had as as purdue kind of slowly pulled away um yeah go ahead I agree. That's right. And almost all of our offense came from the perimeter. We didn't get many, uh, many shots around the basket. We barely shot any free throws. I don't know what the final uh, final total was. I guess we ended up shooting 10 for 12, but they remarked on the telecast that we didn't shoot our first free throw until well into the second yeah. half, which is Can you believe a little that? bit different. Yeah, a little bit different than what, what we've been accustomed to with Coach Williams, and that, that's not a knock on Hubert, uh, but we are a little more perimeter-oriented, more four-out-one in, more pick-and-pop, um, just different action, throwing the ball to the, the high post extended and running guys off of high uh, back screens and pop screens versus, you know, after going through secondary, three-out-and-two-in, and the ball going inside where we would draw a lot of fouls. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is certainly a more modern approach to it, but you still have to find a way to get to the rim and get fouled. And uh, we didn't do a great job of that. You know, coach used to say we like to uh, we like to make more free throws than our opponents attempt. And uh, and we definitely didn't do that tonight. So. Uh, so, again, you know, you made a point. Baycott never got in a rhythm using foul trouble. The big fellow was a load. And I thought that there were probably three or four offensive fouls that could have called on Edie that they didn't because he's so physical. Um, but we had, we had trouble dealing with his physicality and then they bring Williams off the bench uh so that that, look that's a good team they're athletic they shoot it they're big they defend you and they keep you away from the basket uh so it's a good test for us and and we did some good things we showed some guts when they pushed it out uh to double figures or, or nearly and then fought back but like I said in the last comment it just didn't feel like we were ever going to get enough stops to really push ahead and win that game I think this was a good example. It was kind of a pure example of what Hubert Williams, uh, sorry, Hubert Davis likes to do and will be doing with the, there wasn't as much of a presence inside, like I mentioned, with, with a lack of Baycott establishing himself. And then, you know, Manic didn't really score much down low. He uh, was two for seven, attempted three threes. And, and he's undersized on, in, against a team like that. I mean, Brady, no. Brady's not that big, and he looked undersized in that game. And Garcia, most of his damage was done from the outside. So you're seeing, without Baycott, you're seeing most of the stuff, like you said, it's on the perimeter. UNC did hit 41% of their threes. They're 12 for 29. 29 seems pretty high. I'm not sure what you – maybe under Roy they would shoot. Uh, Coach Williams maybe anywhere between 15 to 23s, but 29 seems a lot of attempts for UNC. Um, Rebounding-wise, they win the rebounding margin uh, 37 to 31. Um, but it was some good shot making across the board. Both teams shot over 40% from three. Um, like you said, I think the three players from Purdue was, was a little too much. Uh, before we get into maybe a broader look at this team, we haven't talked to uh, Dewey yet about uh, UNC now four games in at three and one. Let's talk about our sponsors, Blue Shark Vodka. We're here in the studio behind our post-game live show, Blue Shark Vodka out of Wilmington and Wrightsville. Smoothest vodka in the world. Um, again, a local vodka company. They support us. We want you to support them. Uh, Mellowed for 28 days, made with local North Carolina sweet corn, Blue Shark Vodka. Get it in all 100 counties in North Carolina. And of course, Inside Carolina Podcast brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Get your jerseys, get your sweatshirts, T-shirts, all your little trinkets and gifts for Christmas. 
uh, Johnny T-shirt and johnnytshirt.com right there in Franklin Street and online. And of course, all inside Carolina subscribers get 10% off with the promo code. Okay, Dewey, is there anything left, left you want to say about this game? Um, we mentioned kind of the main points, uh, some defensive lapses by UNC, um, not able to make big stops, and uh, not enough interior scoring to go against what Purdue had. Any, any other points you want to make before we kind of move on? Maybe some broader yeah. uh, team stuff? If I'm doing my math correctly, we were 19 for 40 on twos um, and, and a typical game when you just look at the two-point offense, you'd like those shots to be around the rim and at a much higher percentage, right? So that speaks to the rim protection that Purdue had. Their size impacted us. Uh, we, we didn't have – I know we won the rebounding battle, which was surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like we had a ton of offensive rebounds and second chances. And, and almost every possession, it felt like we shot a three. Plenty of them good shots. Uh, you know, a couple forced ones. Caleb forced a few. Um, not, not counting the ones late where we needed to try to make up the difference. But uh, it just didn't feel like we had any ability to get anything easy around the rim or, or at least try to get fouled and go to the free throw line. So I thought Purdue dictated uh, the way the game went, really on both ends. Uh, but that being said, you know, we, we hung with them. That's a good team. That's a really good team. They're going to be in the hunt to win the Big Ten. And mm-hmm. if they stay healthy, they've got incredible depth. And those are experienced guys. So except for the kid Caleb first, everybody has been there for them. So uh, great early test, neutral site. And, uh, and I think it'll pay dividends. You would have loved to find a way to win. But, you know, I, I just there for today produce a better team than us. Do you think they miss Leaky, or what did you notice about missing Leaky? Because he could have used him on some defense on guarding Jay Ivy. On Ivy, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think we could have used Leaky's length on Ivy just to bother him a little bit more um, because he was, you know, too quick for McCoy or any of our bigs, and just too big for Kerwin, Caleb, and RJ. Right, so he was a matchup difficulty, and Caleb's our best perimeter defender, uh, at least other than Leaky. Yeah, but he had to be chasing Stefanovic around because he got hot. And and so he most of the time was guarding the shooter, which left smaller guys on Ivy. And, and he look, that's an that's a NBA level athleticism. Yeah. And the two stretches in the game that he had a big hand in, the back-to-back dunks, as you mentioned. But then also when I think we were, we might have been up one or maybe down one. And Purdue missed a defensive assignment, threw it up to Kerwin up on the sideline, wide, wide open. You know, the commentator remarked he was too open. It was almost an awkward feeling for him being that open. He missed, and, and it wasn't close. They came down and hit back-to-back threes. That was a big stretch there where, uh, you know, Kerwin makes that. You set your set your defense, maybe you get a stop. The game looks a little bit different. But uh, that's the way it goes, and, uh, and Kerwin didn't have his best night. He's going to shoot the ball better than that most nights. But I do I do think we miss Leakey uh, and his ability and his length to guard Ivy, maybe bother him just a little bit more. I think he got confidence early and there was no stopping him. He was flying around and uh, and using his athleticism to his advantage. And Leakey didn't play with a non-COVID illness. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be available against Tennessee tomorrow. That game is at 3.30 against number 617 Tennessee on ESPN right in the, in the middle of uh, NFL football Sunday. Okay, Dewey, well, I got you here. Uh, we'll go about you know, five, 10 minutes more here uh, on UNC in general. Uh, I'm assuming you watched at least most of the games for UNC, three and yep. one here. Um, what are your general takes on, on how Hubert Davis's system 
you think is working out? What do you think about it? And we'll get more into maybe some particular players and rotations. Yeah, it is different. You know, there are still, you know, semblances of what we did under coach out there. I mean, the first possession of the second half, we ran secondary regular, you know, which is our base offensive set that we ran with coach. Uh, and then everything flowed off of that. So it's, it still has pieces of what we used to do. We still run uh, versions of our box sets. Everybody can remember Coach Williams calling box all the time and, and running different actions off of that. We still run versions of that. We've run it really well a couple times to get Kerwin some open threes off of the back screen and then a pin down um, coming off of that. So uh, there are still semblances of what uh, the Carolina system has been. And then he's thrown a modern touch on it. So you see him call uh, horns a lot or two high bigs and, and we're doing a post or a high post entry to either guy, whether it's Manic or, or Baycott or, or Dawson, and then running some action off the weak side, uh, whether it uh, turns itself into a pick and pop or a double back screen for shooters. I mean, there, there's different action he's running, trying to pull the defense away from the basket, running everything up above the free throw line. The reason you do that and get some action going is then if a penetration lane presents itself for someone like Caleb or RJ, they've got room to, to try to go make a play versus the standard two bigs sitting on the blocks or sitting block and high post like we've done for so many years. So, um, and that fits the guys that we have. That fits our personnel. Brady, I know he sort of scored a little bit back to the basket in our first couple of games, but I think more of what you saw tonight against power five size and, and strength He's not an interior scorer. He's going to be a more pick and pop, face the, face the basket kind of guy. And Dawson is as well, right? Neither of them are true back to the basket post players, uh, whereas Armando is, is obviously that uh, certainly in stretches. So uh, the, the offense that we've been showing, albeit early, uh, is tailored more towards the fact that we have bigs that like to step out and shoot. We're obviously going to shoot more threes, shooting about 30 of them today. And, uh, and I think that will continue to evolve. We've got good pieces on that end. The concerns are on the defensive end. Uh, we, we have not shown the ability, except for a couple of possessions late against Charleston, to really lock in and defend. Uh, and it just doesn't cut it. I mean, you look at the game today, we score in the 80s, you should typically you should win. Uh, but we gave up 93 or whatever it was. So They've got work to do on that end. We don't have a lot of rim protection. I know Baycott had a ton of blocks, but again, against power five size, we don't have a lot of rim protection. Dawson's not a rim protector. Brady's not a rim protector. So Baycott's your only guy. And if he gets in foul trouble like he did tonight, you have none. Yeah. And so that's going to be part of the challenge for us. And we do do some different things. He's been guarding the pick and roll differently. He's been doing more switching, uh, which is good because I know he feels like his base can all move their feet. Um, you know, but an athletic wing we had a hard time with tonight and two legitimate big, strong post players we had a hard time with tonight. So we need to find an identity on the defensive end of the floor. And we definitely don't have that yet, but it's early. It's four games and uh, we got to stay healthy, number one, and then see how the team evolves. Yeah, it's interesting, like, you know, Baycott would probably have guarded Williams for the whole game if he stayed out of foul trouble, but they didn't have a body like that anymore. And I'd be interested to see if recruiting wise, if they recruit anybody with any real girth, like, you know, Dayron Sharp would have been perfect to, to step in and guard that guy. Cause he has, that's right. Player. Or Walker Kessler, you know, even though Walker wasn't that, that strong yet a summer of weightlifting and he was so big, yeah. he'd had a better time with Edie than anybody else we had. So, you know, that's, that's the way it goes.
Yeah, I'm interested to see how recruiting kind of changes too, because you saw who they want. I mean, he went out into the transfer market and got Garcia and Manic, and those seem like the guys he wants to fit for his offense. You go against power five guys, like you said, defensively, sometimes you need a, a bigger player. Uh, Rotation-wise, so it's been the same. About us, just, just one more thought on that, yeah. Ross. You think about us playing Florida State, who's notoriously yeah. huge, yeah. right? They just seven-footer after seven-footer after seven-footer. Their perimeter players are 6'7 to 6'10". Uh, our guards are small. I mean, RJ's small. Caleb's only 6'3". Kerwin's only 6'3", 6'4". And then you see tonight, without Leaky at 6'7", 6'8", our perimeter players are small. And then two of our three bigs are perimeter-focused, not traditional bangers, mm-hmm. right? So uh, we're going to find out how tough our guys are when we get into more games like this because they might be overmatched from a strength and size perspective even though they may be very, very skilled, you got to be both. You got to be really skilled and then you got to be big, strong and tough. And so we're going to find out uh, what that's going to look like against a team in the future, like a Florida State, to my point. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, no, great point. And, you know, you look at the rotation here, it's been the same starting lineup now for, I think, three games. I think one game Manic started, but it's been Caleb, uh, Caleb Love, Archie Davis. Uh, well, I guess Leaky started, Kerwin started tonight, uh, Baycott and Garcia. And in my opinion, they've only been playing um, seven or eight players. The freshmen haven't played in, in big games, didn't play tonight. They didn't play against College Charleston. Anthony Harris kind of took a lot of um, Leakey's minutes tonight. But Kerwin's playing a little bit less. McCoy's playing a lot less than I thought. But it's, it's heavy on um, Baycott, on Caleb Love, R.J. Davis. Um, and then from there, you know, Leakey's playing a lot. Kerwin's playing a decent amount. Um, and, and, of course, Manic. What have you kind of seen takeaways on the rotation? Because I think it's very different than what Roy would usually do. Coach, yeah. I, know you, I know you like to say Coach Williams. Coach Williams would like to do um, by getting freshmen in early and then really these early games playing at least eight to ten players just kind of get their feet wet. That's right. Yeah, Coach just went about it differently. You know, he, he believed in getting deep into his bench, certainly in the first half of, of games in the early part of the season to get guys, uh, get some experience. Uh, look, it's just a different approach. Uh, Hubert's coaching this a little bit more like NBA teams are. So you have your rotation, and that's who plays, period. And Coach Williams obviously was known for if he got frustrated or uh, something didn't feel right, he just went with his gut and put, walked down the bench and said, and put people in. He did it to me. Literally, he did it to me, right? So um, Hubert seems, again, only four games, small sample set. To, to have more of an NBA mentality, which this is my rotation. This is how I'm thinking about minutes and, and getting guys who play together. And we're going to stick with that. I agree with you. I thought McCoy was going to play a lot more. Uh, hasn't shown us a lot yet. Uh, but again, you know, couldn't be a more different system than what he came from. Even Hubert's Carolina system versus what Tony Bennett runs at Virginia. Very, very different. So maybe it's taking a little time for him to adjust. Uh, and then Kerwin, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year, uh, surefire starter, the way he played uh, at the end of last year. Um, but, uh, you know, we're not there every day in practice. So uh, Kerwin's still going to play plenty of minutes, didn't have his best night tonight. Um, so those would be the two that have surprised me a little bit. And then just because of coming out of preseason and some of the things that I was hearing, I, I would have thought that Styles maybe would have played some. Mm-hmm. Um but Hubert obviously doesn't think he's quite ready, but it's a long season. Guys get hurt, guys get sick, guys are going to get COVID, unfortunately, or most likely. 
And so, you know, we need to be patient on that. The freshmen will more than likely have a chance to get out there. And uh, I'm happy with where the bigs are. I think that rotation of those three seems to work pretty well. They're all getting ample minutes, ample shots, ample touches on the offensive end. And, uh, you know, we just need, uh, to me, need to have more scoring punch off the bench. Um, and maybe that's why he's bringing Kerwin off is because he wants to have a little pop and scoring from the bench. That would make sense. Again, an NBA mentality, right? Uh, simple example, easiest one, at least for me, you know, Manu Ginobili was one of the best players on the Spurs forever, but he came off the bench because they needed scoring in their second unit when they went to, uh, when they went to the bench. And so Kerwin to me deserved to be a starter, but maybe that's what it is. And that again would be something different than coach Williams thinking about scoring off the bench wasn't something I can remember him really thinking through. He just had to say, this is how we're going to play. You know how we're going to play, try and beat us. Yeah. Uh, and so that perhaps could be a little bit of a different approach. Yeah. I completely agree with the Kerwin. You know, I would, I thought, you know, he was the best player, one of the best players last year, him not starting surprising your reasoning certainly makes sense. And then McCoy, I didn't know what to expect with him. He hasn't really shown anything on offense. So um, there's definitely reason there. Okay. We'll get out of here. I want you to give me um, one or two things or players that you're surprised with in a positive nature, maybe a player or two that's it's taken a big jump from last year or something else that has really surprised you um, about this team so far that you've liked. Yeah, I think really happy with RJ so far. The biggest issue he had last year was just strength. He just got pushed around. He was a freshman. He's already small and slight anyway. And so he needed an off season in the gym to get stronger and, and you can see that he's able to finish a little bit better around the rim, shooting the ball very confidently, mm -hmm. but even just handling the basketball and getting us into our sets, he's not getting bumped off and, uh, and pushed off balance by bigger guards. He's able to hold his own. And, uh, and you're seeing some of that confidence and swagger that we heard so much about coming out of his, uh, his high school career. So he's just going to keep getting better. I mean, that's a guy who's four games into his sophomore year. And uh, we've got a lot of games left to watch RJ play. So I would say he's the one I'm most excited about. I do think Caleb has improved quite a bit. He also is stronger, seems to be making better uh, decisions. The pass he made to Brady for Brady's lone three was a very mature and sound decision that I think last year he may have rushed something up at the basket or, or taken a shot for himself. Um, he still has a couple of times and instances. One was in the first half. He, he was on a break. Clearly should have thrown a bounce pass to Dawson for a layup, kept it himself, missed a layup, didn't draw a foul. He still has some things where he needs to grow from a decision-making perspective, but by and large, he's more under control. He's shooting the ball pretty well. And again, that pass that he made to Brady, to me, was an indication of a maturing player with the ball in his hands. And, and I said on our preseason podcast that we did with Jawad, we're going to go as far as RJ and Caleb take us. So yeah. uh, both have shown good flashes. Caleb was awesome down the stretch against Charleston. Obviously, RJ was awesome down the stretch against Brown. Uh, and again, four games in their sophomore year. It, it's, it's weird to say because everybody thinks anybody who's any good just leaving and going to the pros. I remember, you know, even just six, eight years ago when Marcus Page um, and, and then Joel Berry after that, when they got to their sophomore year, I was like, wow, look how good these guys are just having a summer under their belt. Uh, imagine how good they'll be as seniors. And we got to see that with both those guys, uh, who knows about Caleb, you know, probably a better chance. We're going to see RJ as a senior than Caleb, but 
Um, I just remember always thinking that Carolina guards made such a big leap their second year. Uh, so I look for both those guys to continue to hopefully play well and, and have big years as long as they stay healthy. Yeah. Great points. I think RJ's ability to score on the basket, um, in this game proved to be true, you know, knowing how to use his body a little bit better, take some contact and have a little better angle of the basket. And then he's hitting big shots, big threes did in this game, like you say, did against Brown. And, and that's just a sign of, of confidence in his game. All right, guys, uh, that is it for, for us on the post-game podcast. We want to shout out Johnny T-shirt. Again, remember, 10% off discount code for all inside the Carolina subscribers on Franklin Street and johnnytshirt.com. And Blue Shark Vodka support local businesses. Blue Shark Vodka out of Wilmington and Wrightsville is sponsor our podcast and the Inside Carolina post-game live show for football. All right, do any last words? You good? I'm all good. Thanks, all right, for us. Appreciate it. We'll check you uh, after the Tennessee game. Subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate it, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.